Leaders in AI is produced by Robinly, a content platform and community empowering the next generation of AI leaders and entrepreneurs. Kelly Perdue is the co-founder and managing general partner of Moonshots Capital, an early stage VC fund that invests in seed stage tech companies and leans heavily on veteran founded companies. Kelly has previously been a founding team member of eight different organizations. After winning the season two of the NBC hit show, The Apprentice, Kelly served as an executive vice president in the Trump Organization in New York, where he managed several real estate projects and worked directly for Donald Trump for the year following the show. Kelly graduated from the US Military Academy at West Point and served as an officer in the army. He subsequently earned JD and MBA degrees at UCLA. Kelly is a nationally recognized speaker in leadership, technology, career development, and entrepreneurship. Kelly, we're delighted to have you on our show today, and we've got many things to talk about. Um, but first, I'd love to learn a bit more about you in terms of you've had quite a unique experience that not many people can share. Um, you won The Apprentice Show in 2004. And for some of our listeners here who may not be so familiar, this is Donald Trump's first of its kind reality TV show on entrepreneurship. So, of course, we are deeply curious to know about how that overall experience was for you. So that's a, probably an entire podcast unto itself or maybe several, <laughs> several chapters. Uh, it was really a great experience for me. I, uh, the finale that I won, it was like 16 episodes and the last one was a finale. And they had a, a viewership of about 30 million people over the three hour finale, which is like half a Super Bowl. So um, I got, I definitely got significant exposure, uh, but then the 14 months after the show, when I went to work actually for Donald Trump in New York City, got to watch how he operated. You know, my office was in, you know, the offices there on Fifth Avenue and Trump Tower, uh, traveled with him, um, went to speaking engagements with him, spoke on his behalf sometimes, but I spent a full, a little over a year uh, working closely with him in that organization. Wow, that must have been quite a ride at that time, right? Quite the Certainly, adventure. Uh, it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving. I, I like to say that um, I made it through the show and I made it through never being fired by Donald Trump, which <laughs> has become kind of a hard thing to do now. Uh, there you go. And then from there, you wrote the book, Take Command, uh, 10 Leadership Principles I Learned in the Military and um, Put to Work for Donald Trump. So I know some of these include pr leadership principles such as like perseverance, passion, so forth. Love you to elaborate a little bit more, but of course, what are the ones that you see being most relevant in today's business environment? Well, the reason I wrote that book is uh, I was cast by Mark Burnett, who's the producer of the show, as kind of the military guy, meaning every sidebar, because there's no narrator for the show. They bring a contestant out of the show and say, how are you doing on this task? What's going on? And you kind of tell the story of where you are in the task. And then they post-produce, put it all together later. But all of my questions were, how do you think your military background helped you on this task? Um, so I went with it. And then I kept getting questioned after the show, during the media and everything else. Do I think my military background helped in winning the reality show? And I'm like, my military background and all the leadership training that anybody in the military receives helps you with everything. And don't you know that? Like I was like kind of dumbfounded that I kept getting the question over and over. So that's when I decided to write the book about 10 leadership principles that I thought that, that learned in the military were very effective in business. And then I was like, well, you know, who's going to believe a guy who won a reality show who hasn't really built big businesses yet. So I went and spoke to and interviewed uh, a few very well-known 
very successful business people who had military backgrounds. Uh, Ross Perot, um, Roger Staubach, you know, had a you know multi-hundred million dollar real estate company that he built after you know winning a couple Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys. So I went and talked to six or seven of these individuals to kind of reinforce that these leadership principles were super important. And I'd say that, you know, if you break them all down, they all add value in the business environment. But the, especially for entrepreneurs, which is where I focus most of my time, especially with the VC fund now with Moonshots Capital, the kind of the three Ps, the passion, the perseverance, and the planning um, are critically important. And they're going to be even more so during the kind of really tumultuous times that we're going through right now. Right, absolutely. Um, and so can you elaborate a bit more about what you learned from the experience of working with Donald Trump and his team that you put to work as an investor founder later on? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the sayings that kind of Donald Trump is saying for is you got to think big. Um, and this is incredibly true for entrepreneurs, especially those that are trying to, trying to raise money. Um, I get entrepreneurs that come in wanting to raise 200000 or $500,000 or $700,000. And I say, well, if you're going to raise that much money, you should try to go around to some friends and family members, your credit card, you know, any, any other place you can get it because that's not really enough money to get an institution involved for. And if you're going to raise money, the process is so time-consuming and all of the documentation, all of the work that you have to put into going to do that, you should actually paint a bigger picture paint a bigger idea that's going to be more impressive. It's not only going to help you raise money, it's going to help you attract talent um, and hopefully be more compelling to whoever your customer base is or whatever client you're trying to convince to buy the product that you're building. So that, that idea of thinking as big as possible when you're going into something to really, and again, for the entrepreneur, the only thing you can't get back in this world pretty much is time. So if you're going to expend your life force against something, you know, frequently to the detriment of, friends and family members and loved ones around you as an entrepreneur, um, you want it to be for something that's going to be significant. Now let's talk a bit more about Moonshot Capital because your investment strategy leans heavily on veterans and uh, veteran founded companies. So again, we're most curious if you can give some examples of how you see veteran founded companies differing from other companies. Absolutely. So the thesis that we have that my partner, Craig Cummings, who's based out of Austin, I'm based in Los Angeles. We're both West Point graduates. I served three years active duty um, I'm airborne ranger certified, meaning I finished both airborne school and ranger training. My partner, Craig, um, he stayed 17 years in the military. So between us, we have a full 20 years. Um, but he helped do things like uh, stand up uh, cyber command in the army. Um, he went and got his PhD at Columbia and taught at West Point, did several tours in Afghanistan, or, you know, won a bronze star um, for his efforts. And both of us became entrepreneurs so we have 14 operating companies under our belts as you know, founders or senior executives of the founding teams. And over the years, evolved from angel investing, i.e. each of us writing five, 10, $25,000 checks into individual deals to running a syndicate. So together we combine forces and then we put our check up and then get a whole bunch of other angels to give us their money. And we would invest as a single purpose vehicle into a company. And then finally, as a committed fund, which is Moonshots Capital Fund One that we've uh, been investing out of. And that history, that chapters one, two, and three of investment, we looked at chapter one over eight to 10 years and said, look, all these companies that we've invested in that have evolved, some of them perform very, very well. 
Some of them did not perform well. Let's kind of look back at them and do an after action review and say, what factor that we could control for at the time of investment would indicate that that company is going to end up on the right side of an ROI. In other words, have a good return for an investor. Yeah. And the only factor, because we're investing in very early stage that we could put our finger on that we could look at and absolutely say impacts that was the quality of the leadership. And the only place in the world that we know of where millions of dollars have spent training individuals in leadership <laughs> is the military. So we lean in heavily, not exclusively because there are other places where you can get leadership training, but we lean in heavily where there are uh, military veterans as part of the founding team. So uh, Kelly, you're based in LA. Can you tell us some more around the investment ecosystem of LA? So I've been an investor, I've been an entrepreneur in LA since 1999, I'm old. And I've been an investor first as an angel as I described since 2004. Um, so have kind of grown up both with my business background in terms of being an entrepreneur and as an investor in the LA ecosystem. And it has had a staggering amount of growth in the last five to seven years, meaning 30 plus VC funds versus like two or three, 10 years ago. Um, the numbers and types of large enterprise size companies that exist here and have grown and have gone public and have sprouted off. And as you see in the major ecosystems where those, you know, what now wealthy entrepreneurs break out of those companies and start additional companies. And it, it covers the gamut from media to entertainment and gaming to logistics and supply. Um, literally it runs the full gamut now. And I, I would say if I, you know, with eyes wide open, um, one of the areas that I think still needs to be addressed in, in kind of Southern California proper is the, you know, the additional larger fund follow on capital. Typically have to go outside of Los Angeles to get series B and C rounds led. Right. So C you see a lot of series A. Yeah. Pre-seed, seed yeah. and A. You know, significant amount of opportunity for entrepreneurs to have local funding. Um, and it's, it's not like other firms are shying away from LA either. They'll still come here, but you're always like, if I have two equal opportunities and one's in my backyard and the other one I have to fly to somewhere to get to, especially now, um, they right. make it a lot more difficult. Right. And, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of movement to um, LA in the last couple of years. You know, they're, I wouldn't say it's, super cheap are cheaper than um than the bay area but there's definitely a lot of people who've moved down there to you know work if you're in media and entertainment of course it that is the place to be right in, yes. the, in the u.s predominantly kelly what would be the uh, one commonly held view in the investor community that you do not agree with almost always there's a real hard push um to describe your sector focus and i I get that, especially as you as you evolve from kind of seed into A and A into B, and then surrounding yourself with that. But our hope is that our entrepreneurial team, the founders that we're investing in, have pretty significant chops in the sector which they're operating. It doesn't mean that it's not nice if we have an overlay where we can provide our network and open it up as well. But we're especially because of the stage, the early stage. Are, you know, we buck against trying to pigeonhole us into this is the sector you're focused on. We can say we know nothing about and don't do bio. And unless it's kind of a fintech app, 
don't get really involved with healthcare and HIPAA and all the compliance issues right. related with that. We do have a significant advantage on the .gov or .dod side for those dual use technologies because of our background and awareness of how that operates. But that's also extremely unknown to most people. So our, our emphasis is around first, what's the actual leadership trait or quality? In early stage, no matter what your plan is, it's gonna be, all you know for sure is it's gonna be different in 12 months or 24 months or 36 months. It's not, almost none of them have ever ended up where they were aiming and when they started out. And that requires significant chops at leadership as the first criteria. Next, where we're able to help is kind of in the company building because Craig and I are both operators um, and have history of operating 14 companies. We, we are able to help the entrepreneurs who are sometimes first time or second time entrepreneurs who have not tripped over all the issues that we have or banged our heads on the walls that we have and we try to help them avoid or, or get around those. So um, we're, we're less focused on the domain expertise than I'd say a lot of investors focus on. Right. So you go broad and then you look more importantly for you, um, if I hear this correctly, it's around the leadership characteristics and the ability of that team to be able to build and grow a solid company and have complete good ROI mission. and so forth. Got to complete the mission. Complete the mission. Yep. I like that. <laughs> so let's talk about the in current environment. And we touched on some of this um, earlier. So right now it's truly a tough time. Um, of course, with the COVID-19 pandemic and the ensuing impact on the economy. Um, how does the current situation impact your investment strategies and decisions? So it has a couple of different effects. Um, I think the first effect, and I think everybody's feeling this, is first step is everybody kind of pulls back a little and takes a hard look and a lot of time looking at your existing portfolio companies, right? You've already made an investment of both money and, as importantly, time and helping these companies grow. And any plan that they had a month ago, or maybe six weeks ago, you're not, you know, no, nobody in six months from now or two years from now is gonna go, oh, what happened to your sales during you know, the first half of 2020? Nope, it's not even gonna be considered. Like it just, so yeah. just throw it away literally and think about, especially for early stage, right? Because your anticipation is, it's gonna be very difficult to raise money on this next round of financing. I mean, that goes without saying in any environment. We always think that way. When we, when we invest our check our, you know, on our standard operating procedure, so we're leading a late seed round. We're putting three quarters of a million to 1.5 million on a two to $3 million round. That two to $3 million total that we're leading with the, you know, up to one and a half is designed to let the company last 18 to 24 months from when we put the money in. At which point along the way with the milestones and the heuristic planning, we've hit operational metrics that would allow for the next round of financing to occur or in the case of some bad financial environment, which just happened, obviously, you're able to take down your burn or your costs so that you can either pretty much operate independently or with a very small bridge, take it to where you can operate independently. And that's a, that's a, a micro VC and under a hundred million dollar funds view of ensuring that you have a successful outcome for your LPs, for the people that invested. So we did that with every one of our investments mm -hmm. and a good portion, over half of our investments occurred in the last six to eight months. So we have the ability to safely make the decisions that expands runway so that it gives the company time to mature enough to have a chance at an additional fundraiser. In some of these cases, 
can operate profitably. But that doesn't happen in like one phone call. That's, yeah. a, that's a long, hard discussion over a week or two period, if you're doing it fast, um, with each of those founding teams, with those entrepreneurs, and some tough decisions to make. But um, having been in the dot-com burst of 99, 9-11, the 2008, you know, 2009 downturn, this is much more severe and much broader reaching, but a lot of the dynamics at play are the same. So co coaching these entrepreneurs through that, every, every venture capitalist who has any portfolio is doing that for the first few weeks. And are you asking your teams to come back with a couple of options, right? If, you know, we hit this, this pace or this happens with the economy, this is the go-to plan. Like how, how, like how is that conversation going for you? Yeah, so, so the directions typically, you know, show me how you can get 12 to 18 months more burn. Right. And then argue with me about why you have to keep these four to seven people because product has to get out and then you're going to generate revenue because we think, and then we start talking about assumptions around, you know, what turns around. Now, we're also fortunate to have a few companies who are uh, economically and business plan wise benefiting from what's transpired. So they have a different dynamic, which is I need more headcount immediately, okay. except I can't meet any of them in person. They can't right. come to my office. They're going to have to operate off their own equipment for a while. Like, so it's a, it, there's a little bit of a different discussion there, but every single, every single uh, entrepreneur, every single founder has a, there's a different discussion, but it's all related around this massive change of events where you kind of throw out your existing plan. Right. So you're definite, it, would it be fair to say you're seeing a lot of creativity and perhaps some surprises as well in terms of what your teams are coming back in terms of let's think about this strategy or, you know, obviously from a hiring perspective, you can do, you know, video hiring. There's, there's a lot of, of that that's happening and that's great. Absolutely. Right. And then you can ship out what you need yeah. um, to get to your people, to get them going day one. But you're certainly seeing that there, there are, there's quite active business taking place. Absolutely. The range of responses goes from, we cut back to five people and the five people took 40% pay cuts. We now have two years of burn and we can continue, uh, handling the existing business we have and we're going to see what happens in four months or, you know, over right. the next four months before we start ramping back up again to, yeah, it took 10% of the burn down. And then you have to have a different right. discussion immediately. Like <laughs> the, the old plan's gone. We're not operating off the old plan. So it, it runs the gamut, right? And, you, and it depends on the experience of the founder. Also where they are in their business cycle because some of them have reached kind of critical capacity or they're at a point where if they lose part of the development team, it's going to destroy the destroy their ability to get out even in the time frame that makes sense. So there are some there, there are some give and takes, and also every venture capitalist has allocated some amount of dry powder to each of their deals previously, right. and with this environment, there's a review of that to see if we're going to shift around some of where that dry powder. And dry powder is money set aside to follow on into that company to either protect or grow your investment in that in that uh, portfolio company. Or for earlier stages, it's typically about bridging because, oh, we didn't quite get the product right. We had to shift a little bit. We need six more months of runway. Existing investors, can everybody put in their pro rata of a million bucks to help us extend that runway? And I think, I think entrepreneurs that are savvy 
have already reached out to understand how much dry powder is allocated to see how quickly they could get it. And that will help inform their planning process. Right. But it sounds like it's a very big collaboration discussion as well, right? Um, that that's, back to back. that's happening too. Nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. So given this unknown environment, and, and you know, I, I certainly see that you've touched on some of this, but what advice would you have for startup founders today? It sounds trite, but kind of, you, you always kind of have to anticipate the worst. So if your Q2 sales, you know, your initial thought is, oh, we're going to lose 20% of them, I would say you're going to lose 80% of them. You know, and it's, it, isn't the, it isn't one of the exercises where you move it to the right a quarter. Right. Yeah. It's, it's it, unless unless you're selling something critical, you're not going to be thought about for the rest of the year. Maybe mm-hmm. it has to be a critical. You, you have to be selling some critical software component or something that if you can pivot some makes a difference to your client for the for their environments. You really have to think about your audience, what the customers are, and you have to give them something that solves a pain point. Kelly, what do you see happening? And this is a hard question, right? In terms of, you know, we, we are asking you for a figure eight ball like uh, uh, answer here, but what do you see happening in the next one to two years in VC? So what is going to happen in the next one to two years in venture capital? So my position has always been through all of the downturns that have happened, the kind of best companies end up getting better. So I think that's probably also true for the VC funds. So the VC funds that have built sustainable, investable companies and helped, you know, helped their entrepreneurs to build those and are being successful, I believe that the scrutiny around, from, from an LP perspective, an LP is somebody who invests into the GPs of a VC fund, so the investors into the VC funds will definitely conduct significantly more scrutiny because... And there have been record numbers of new funds started, us among them, right? Moonshots Capital among them. But there are many, many venture capitalists who may or may not have operating experience, may or may not have significant investment experience that have been able to raise capital because the capital has been available. And I think kind of all the way up the chain, there'll be like an all hard time, some, some amount of flight to quality. And quality is going to be defined as either prior performance which takes away all the emerging managers, right? It's somebody who's already ex- executed previously or somebody who demonstrates with an existing portfolio that may not be perf- you know, at performance levels on a mark-to-market for evaluation standpoint or had exits yet because of the environment, but can show significant operating companies growing in that portfolio, which is what you know, we, we'd obviously hope to do. But I do think that it'll be much more difficult to raise any newer emerging manager, much more difficult to raise a, a fund um, and I think that the LPs are going to be in- incredibly discriminating on who they put money into. Right. Um, but there's a lot of resilience in the system, though. I think that's fair to say Say right well, now. And a large uh, argument over the probably last five to eight years for LPs deploying capital into VC is because arguably, historically, VC has been the highest performing. Well, it's been hi- kind of hard to beat the public stock market where there's not a 10-year closed fund cycle <laughs> that a VC right. requires um, from an investment standpoint. Still, all the larger LPs and institutions have a percentage of their portfolio dedicated to alternative investments like you know, private equity and VC. Mm-hmm. So there will still be a significant amount of capital. Um, and I think it will become even a little more attractive, but again, towards those quality components, um, more attractive because of what's happened with the public market. Right. But fair to say you have a positive outlook? 
well, I kind of don't have a choice. I'm in this business. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I'm, and I'm an entrepreneur at heart, so I'm always yeah. optimistic. So, you know, cut right. everything I say by 50%, like we do with all of our entrepreneurs' forecasts. Right. There you go. There you go. Kelly, we love your energy. We love your passion. Um, Really, thank you so much for spending and sharing your time with us today to uh, talk us through some of uh, your top thoughts at the moment. And of course, your experience as well. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I love being here and you're doing a great service by bringing people uh, out since they can't get out of their homes right now. (laughs) Well, thank you. We're trying some different things, right? So uh, we're all in this together. Thank you. Thanks, Margaret. Leaders in AI is produced by Robinly, a content platform and community empowering the next generation of AI leaders and entrepreneurs. Are you interested in learning more cutting-edge AI trends and inspiring business insights from renowned scientists, entrepreneurs, and investors? Subscribe to Leaders in AI podcast or visit our website, Robinly, R-O-B-I-N dot L-Y.